We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 488 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Hilton, and as promised, this week is a bit unorthodox, so I do appreciate everybody staying with me. I am still recovering a bit, so that's why you won't see me in real time on camera for at least another few days. And that's why you're hearing about a match about 24 hours late as well. But just like the team, I am in preseason mode. Yeah, they're in preseason mode. I'm in preseason mode. So I am still also working out how I'm going to handle content this season. I may be going a bit back to our roots and focusing more on the podcast side of things and only doing five headlines for the big matches. That is, we'll call that worst case scenario right now. Because instead, on the YouTube channel, I may be changing up to doing a weekly feature on a big idea or big question and give it the time and effort it deserves for those kind of videos. I noticed that other channels that do tactics the way I try to do them, they take days or weeks at a time to make the same level of content that I try to make in four hours after matches. And that leaves me stuck in this limbo of getting match review content out later than others who are releasing it immediately but also not having the same production value as those who are doing the more in-depth reviews and tactical breakdowns that people also really enjoy. And the algorithms do seem to agree with that sentiment that it's A, too late for the quick take match reviews, or it's not as well enjoyed or visually pleasing as those really good breakdowns that exist, and including those that are made by some of the guests on the podcast, you know who they are. So as I've also warned as well over the last few months, If I can't financially make the time to do this the way I want to do it, something was going to have to change. So at least for today, with my dental stuff being the excuse, the focus is going to go back to the audio side of things. It is the Barcelona podcast, after all. So instead of doing additional five headlines for this preseason match, I thought I'd bring back an oldie but a goodie segment from the podcast, and that is La Bolsa, for you longtime listeners, about what we saw in that preseason match. So let's set the scene first. You know, if there's one place you got to hear a lack of overreactions, it's going to be here. Barcelona were playing in their first preseason game. Arsenal already had a few under their belt. Plus, Barca had that virus. That was bad enough to cancel their first match a few days ago against Juventus. And also SoFi Stadium, a new stadium that is definitely a destination stadium for the support here in the U.S. They just had another event, and it was not at all the destination that it should be for this match. Both managers were unhappy about the playing service at one of the most expensive football-specific stadiums in the world, so that was frustrating to see. So I guess that's the first stock up, stock down. That's the name of the game in the bolsa: stocks up, stocks down. So stock down to the playing surface. 
And the other side of that, I'm going stock up on those white jerseys. It was the first time wearing white since the 1978-79 season, the year after Johan Cruyff left the club. And I distinctly remember a show where Frances Tomas and I had a conversation about the idea of a white kit. Just the idea of bringing it back. That's, again, a few years ago now. How it was part of the team's history, that's what I argued, and that it made sense. But only in recent times of major jersey sales to the public has the concept of Barca wearing white become completely off the table for a lot of Kool-Aids. That was not the case, especially as a white kit was, again, in the mid-70s, especially not that crazy. And beyond that, before that, making kits, even for the teams themselves, was so expensive and so difficult to make over the course of a year, especially if you had multiple rips and tears and things like that, that white was obviously a color that is cheaper to make and a lot of clubs did rely on it. Yet, at this point, with a billion-dollar club as Barcelona are, are worth more than that, I, I still think the club did a good job, though, rolling it out, as they did with the light purple kit last year, connecting to the women's program, of connecting this kit, the white one, to Barcelona's past and making it about themselves and nothing to do with Real Madrid. So I'm, again, going stock up on those new white kits because I didn't hear almost any complaints about it last night, and that means that it was a successful rollout. Also, having done the graphics for everything about this all through the years. Not being able to use white in graphic design is an absolute nightmare. It is a constant red and blue and yellow, a gold nightmare. So I'm glad to see that white might be added back to the palette ever so slightly, at least for away matches. All right, so let's dive into the players now. We're talking about 23 different players in this game. So I can warn you in advance. It's a lot. So we're going to do one by one. It's going to be hard to skip between players. So a lot of these players won't have their stock up or down. I think there's going to be a few evens here. Because again, it's the first match of preseason. And as Xavi said, the intensity level was quite different between the two teams. And I want to be fair to the players and all the players for having their first preseason match. So the first half 11 for Barcelona was Ter Stegen, Marcus Alonso, Christensen, Ronaldo, Des on the back line, then Pedri, Oro Romeu, and Gunawin in the midfield, and Abde, Lewandowski, and Rafinha up top. Starting with Ter Stegen, it's a slight stock down for the captain. And it's not much to say about his performance, two goals whatever, I don't care much about the goals, but it was more that since he'll generally be wearing the captain's armband, that game got out of hand quickly, I mean physically. And is it a good thing to have your captain all the way stuck in goal, not being able to have conversations with the referee directly, especially when you do have those referees are saying, hey, hey, no, no, I'm only talking to your captain. I don't want to hear from anybody else. I want to talk to your captain. He's all the way in net 45 yards away. So he can't really have a dialogue with the referee at all. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. So aside from Ter Stegen once or twice in the second half of last season and Victor Valdez a few times, if I remember right, you know, through those years when it was a Copa del Rey or a huge rotation game. The last time a keeper usually wore the armband was Anthony Zubizarreta for the 92-93 season. And as I said, I don't care too much about the performance in the first preseason game for a guy coming off his best season ever. I always say slightly stock down because I'm asking a question that I'm wondering if it's going to be addressed by Xavi or Ter Stegen. And I do hope a journalist or a reporter who knows more than me does ask that question to one of those two in the near future. Marcus Alonso, stock down, stock down, we know that. Arsenal were actively attacking Barcelona's right side, so not even Alonso's side of the field. He did have to deal with Bakayo Saka in 1v1 situations, which is a lot easier said than done. There are a lot of outside backs that have trouble with Saka, but for a squad that may need to rely on him at that spot if Balde does go down, his stock went way down, also because of how good Balde was in the second half. We'll get to the other fullback spot, and of course Lewandowski up top. But you can make the argument there is no greater drop-off in the squad at a single position than there is from Balde to Alonso. 
I feel like Xavi was able to get the best out of him last year as a left center back. And Levon was on the show many times. And, and I agreed with him that Alonso certainly wasn't as bad as people made him out to be. He definitely had his good moments and he obviously had his bad moments. But like many in the team, he struggled the most once the competition level rose. And for that second Arsenal goal, he got ripped up by Saka, who crossed it in for Odegaard, who peeled off the back of Pedri, and the ball bounced to Havertz, who had inside position of death. So a calamity of errors for Barca there. But it all starts, though, with Christensen feeling like he had to help Alonso instead of heading to that near post to potentially head that cross away. And that kept happening to Christensen, just feeling like he had to get over there to help Alonso for Saka, which should be the case. Saka earns that respect. But again, Alonso, not to say it was a worst case scenario for him, but not a good showing from him. And I feel like he is much better in the squad as a left center back than a left back. So for him to be the backup at that position, not great for Barcelona moving forward, I think. Speaking of Christensen, I wanted to put Christensen as stock even because it's preseason, but I have to go slightly down. For the first Arsenal goal, he had such an uncharacteristic giveaway, and Saka jumped all over it, finished it easily. As I said, I'm not sweating a multi-match fit Saka against 13 minutes of new season action from Christensen, but the stock is slightly down because he made like five of those kinds of mistakes all of last season. Like Ter Stegen, he set the bar really high for himself, so anything less than that bar just feels like a, yeah, a little bit of a stock down. Ron Araujo, stock even. Whether his teammates wanted it or not, his tackling and physicality rose the intensity of that match pretty quickly. Arsenal pushed first, and Araujo pushed back. You love that he doesn't back down, yes, but part of being a leader is not blasting the ball into space and getting a yellow for a clean tackle, as frustrated as you are. But I do even say even, not slightly down, because if the trade-off is he's the man on that back line, I will take the occasional yellows. Same thing with Jordi Alba and all those yells he picked up for his passion. Same thing with Gabi for his passion picking up the yells he does. You saw it too. The early tackle, he started drawing with Havertz. Then the handball where Saka missed the PK. He didn't like that call, even though it was the right one. And it didn't wind up being a goal, but still, he didn't like the call, even though it was the right one. Then once he gets whistled for the non-foul on Havertz, that sent him over the line. Again, that sent that ball to Northern California. I'm not too worried about Araujo. Stock even. Now on to Cedino Dest. It's really tough because we are sticking to the reasoning that the first preseason match matters or it doesn't. If we aren't reading too much into it, and if Xavi doesn't read too much into it, his stock, that being Dest, is slightly down. It wasn't a great showing for him. If Xavi is reading into it, his stock has gone so far into the red, other teams won't be picking up the phone if Barca start trying to give him away. The reality is probably somewhere in the middle, though. Arsenal were rightly attacking Barcelona's right side in the first half, and I'm still trying to get down to the bottom of why Dest is just so lost defensively with Barca when he isn't the same way with the United States. The level of competition and the speed of the game are factors, but it feels like the attack comes to him as a standard right back with the U.S., that being the opponent's attack. And it's much more cookie cutter from both the opposition and his instructions as to what he has to do as a right back. The last two years have seen a lot more pressing from the U.S., but it's still nowhere near as sophisticated and precise as Barca's pressing system. He isn't clean enough to make that initial tackle on the release, and he got caught a number of times by just one move that set Arsenal off to the races. He did have a few minor step-in wins, but for some reason, those stats weren't counted and people just completely glossed over those. But to be honest, I know Arsenal scored two goals and he didn't help much offensively, but it could have been much worse with the way that Arsenal were targeting him and overloading that left sideline. Fortunately, yes, he had Araujo next to him and Barcelona were able to limit the damage because Araujo is so good at putting out fires. But I would also question if that was by design. Was Xavi telling Dest to take chances upfield the way he was and trusting Araujo in those 3v3 situations coming at them? But then if you do that, we're back to Alonso 1v1 Masaka, which certainly was not by design in the game plan. But I think what Xavi saw is what the truth is. 
Two fullbacks in that first half, zero starters from that combination. Onto the midfield, Oro Romeo's stock is even. People will cite the five goals, I know Busquets thing, it's going to become a meme, I know that. And I'm not putting that on Romeo though. It was a new midfield three playing together for the first time, and I did see some advanced things that I liked. For fitness sake, I didn't like that Odegaard basically marked Romeo completely out of the game, not great. But that did allow Christensen and Ter Stegen to bypass Arsenal's midfield completely and do that more than once. So that was by design. That doesn't happen if Romeo isn't in the right spot for all of that space to be opened up. So even if you're being marked out of a game and unable to receive in between the center backs, again, Arsenal's press is with that high attacking midfielder like Odegaard to try to press that defensive midfielder. Busquets has been marked out of games too. And again, those comparisons are going to happen whether Romeo wants it to happen or not over and over and over again. I also thought Xavi was tinkering with the press. Again, this is not even about Romeo, but just the team as a whole. He was tinkering with the press, so I think it's way too early to judge Romeo's individual lack of counting defensive metrics. At the start of the game, Romeo was high on the press, just like Busquets would do at times. And that was when Arsenal were deep in their own third of the field. But then when Arsenal crossed midfield, Barca defended in a 4-2-3-1 with Pedri being in front of Romeo and Gunawin on the press. But it didn't stay that way. Pedri would attack and receive on the right side and Gunawin on the left. But right after the first Arsenal goal, those two switched sides. And then they switched right back soon after. Then on the press, Gunawin was in front of Pedri and Romeo. So again, I'm going even on Romeo because there is clearly a lot of learning being done by that midfield trio in particular. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Which brings us to the other two. Starting with Gundogan, I'm going even as well. You can see his ability and you can also see that his ball retention is immediately going to be top two for Barcelona along with Pedri. Having a player to handle the other team's pressure and dribble out of it or get fouled is so valuable in today's game, and that was really exciting to see. He still looks like he's getting used to the spacing, and oddly enough, it also looked like he was trying to figure out how to play with his old Dortmund mate in Robert Lewandowski, but I think his stock will be up for the rest of this preseason, so I'll go even while I can. Same for Pedri, I'm going even. He wasn't clean by his standards, but he did have some good moments, and he had some poor moments. So for a first preseason game, it was just good to see him fit. I'm not thinking too much more about anything else. Now, for the first half attackers, Abde, obviously, stock up more than any other player in this team. The first goal was the highlight, and it should have been. He won the ball, took it himself across midfield, and beat Saliba. Rafinha was crashing near post, which forced a save, and Lewandowski finished the deflection. Abde may have been quiet for the rest of the first half, but I also think he wasn't too quiet because he was pressing well, 
helping to defend Saka at times, and doing exactly what Xavi asks of him. Go that way and go quickly. His pace is such that he can actually get there a bit too quickly, that being the opponent's final third. And this is the same issue with Balde, actually, in the second half. Entering the opponent's third before his teammates are ready, and then leaving his side exposed when they take the ball away. But Xavi will bite that bullet because of what Abde gives you at least two or three times per match. Wingers sometimes don't even have one moment in a match, but if he gives you two or three per match, goals will happen consistently. Not just for him, but for everyone, just he creates chaos. So before he gets shipped out, I'm really interested to see him start next to Balde and what kind of spacing issues or non-issues they'll be. Will it be your turn, my turn? Maybe we see that against Real Madrid. And if Abde does start against Real Madrid, then maybe Xavi isn't going to be shipping him out after all. And it's just the soul of Barcelona and that injection of cash they're getting that Kool-Aids are going to have to deal with because they get to watch Abde. Lewandowski. I don't know. Stock even. Let's say that. He got the goal, combined with teammates, miscommunicated with new teammates a few times, checked into the ball, but it's Lewandowski. Preseason might as well not be a thing at all for him. I'm just ready for the lights to actually turn on the first Liga game of the season. He was actually poor last year in that draw against Rai Vallecano, so I know he has to go through the motions in preseason, but getting a goal in preseason, unlike last season, if you remember it when he joined and, and seemingly couldn't find the back of the net at Real Arena when I saw him, but yeah, finding that early in the preseason, he's Lewandowski, he does his thing. And finally, I saw some Rafinha hate, but I think that was a bit of hogwash. His chemistry with Des was completely non-existent, even though on paper it should work out. Yeah, that was disappointing, but he still affected the game in that Rafinha way. It feels like he's not accomplishing anything with his dribbling or his work rate, but then his run to the near post creates the first goal, and he scores the second on a pretty wild deflection off a free kick. Ramsdale could have done better with it, but that's not Rafinha's fault at all. You ask what he does, and when Barca aren't scoring... Working hard is what I guess he does, but then his goal contributions are still there. So as always with the goal contributions, Stocks is still up for him. Especially as a backup right winger, his numbers will be good enough to be the backup right winger. Now for the second half, which I'll be grading on an even more relaxed curve. Because with an entirely new Barca 11 and 10 of 11 stayed on for Arsenal, Arsenal were already into that game in a way that those Barca 11 were not. For Barca, it was Anaki Pena, Balde, Eric Garcia, Koundé, and Sergio Berto, then De Jong, Cazier, and Freeman Lopez in midfield, and then Ansu Fati, Ferran Torres, and Dembele up top. So jumping right in, Anaki Pena, three goals in 45 minutes, and even though I don't think he could have done anything on any of them, his stock has to go down, unfortunately. Like Balde to Alonso, the drop-off from Ter Stegen to Pena is pretty glaring, but the counter-argument is that paying money for the backup goalkeeper the way Barca did for Neto for those few seasons, that's bad business and not very smart financially when you need other players in your outfield. Pena would be fine with consistent games if Ter Stegen was out for an extended period of time. He wouldn't be as good as Ter Stegen, and yeah, he'd let in some goals, but yeah, I'm not worried with Anyaki Pena as your backup goalkeeper. Especially with how good he is with the ball at his feet. He doesn't really make that many mistakes, as many as Ter Stegen makes with the ball at his feet when Barca had possession. So yeah, well, it's stocked down. Yeah, it, it's ever so stocked down. I don't really care too much. For Balde, his stock's going up. He wasn't supposed to play because of that injury until the final preseason game, but he looked healthy and fully ready for me. A nice combination with Ansu Fati around the 55th minute was the highlight, but defensively he was solid and even hit the post on a run in behind. A nice ball delivered by De Jong. Barca's starting left back is learning every match, and as I said before, the next thing for him is to actually slow, not the game, but himself down just a little on those attacks where he has real estate in front of him. That late runner is the most dangerous, that late runner into the box is the most dangerous, but Baldi is getting there before the, even the second runner is there. But also, I'd really rather be up there than stuck in my own half, so that's why Baldi, you know, you're going to let him continue to do what he does at 19. Eric Garcia, stock even. I know people will say stock down, 
But I don't think we learned anything we didn't already know from Eric Garcia. You already had his stock down and you're already selling his stock. You already sold his stock. So for those of us who still have a little bit of stock in Eric Garcia and are holding on to it, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that it's pretty much even. People who have no stock in him ignore his ability to pass out of pressure and they exaggerate how much something was his fault because of the scoreline. Of the three Arsenal second half goals, I give him 50% of the blame on the fourth goal that they scored, that being the second and second half. Arsenal switching the field and finding Tierney on the left. He whips it in and it finds Chassard, who is in between Eric and Balde. And it was a tidy under pressure finish too. It feels like players really strike the ball well when Eric is pressuring them or he's committing a foul. But yeah, people piled on the usual scapegoats, but Eric is the fifth or sixth center back if he stays. So I say stock even for Barca's fifth or sixth center back. I'm not sweating it. Koundé, on the other side of this, kind of stocked down because, again, it is preseason, but whenever he plays center back, it feels like he has something to prove. And unfortunately, he didn't prove much in that game. Trissard got him on the third Arsenal goal. He found the angle with four white shirts around him, and he beat Pena. And it was unlucky for Koundé for the ball to get between his legs, but those are the breaks. That's what happened. So if anything, his stock as Barca's starting right back actually went up. But I think that's more because of death than maybe his own performance as center back than it is about him playing as a right back. For the right back for Barcelona, Sergio Berto, I'm also going stock even. His chemistry with Dembele was a little weird, but he also excelled at breaking that Arsenal pressure through the midfield and getting Dembele off to the races. Balde and Eric weren't having the same luck on that other side. And Kessie was even dropping deeper on Barca's left side than Fermin Lopez was on the right. But Roberto, as we know, it's even because he also isn't a defender that we know he isn't. And that showed against a side that had fully found the game, having not substituted anybody at halftime. He's the first captain, and he knows that his role will be limited. And Barcelona are still reportedly pushing for Fresneda, so I'm not sweating what could be the third right back and sixth or seventh midfielder's average performance in a preseason game. As I said during the game, I probably trust Roberto more than I do Alonso, but that's not really saying a lot. De Jong. Like Lewandowski, I'm going even. It looks like the first preseason game for him, and we're going to have a lot of time to talk about De Jong this season, don't you worry. Frank Kessie, player we may not have too much time to talk about. He probably could have put more pressure on Fabio Vieira for Arsenal's fifth goal. He probably could have kept possession a bit better in certain spots when dealing with Arsenal's press. But I also thought he supported Ansu Fati and Baldwin in the left decently well. So I'm going to go stock even on Kessie in this one. Unlike others in the squad, his camp doesn't seem to be shooting down the transfer rumors. So I think this, very much like Des, is more like, hey, look what he can do in the preseason. And maybe that's all we're going to see of him. But who knows? He might also be the sixth midfielder this season. Fermin Lopez. Oh, I don't know. I'm going slightly stock up because Xavi was impressed enough with him in training to put him on the field ahead of Alex Garrido and Mark Casado. So I guess by being on the field, his stock was up. So I don't know the reasoning, but he got the time. And I wanted to see a bit more from him in tight spaces, but Arsenal closed down that space really well. I thought he turned on the ball quickly when Barcelona were in possession, but he also seemed late to the rotations on the press, which again can take any young player and older players too, including Gundogan and or over Mayu to kind of figure out. He was replaced in the 79th, and I hope that we do get to see a bit more from him in the preseason before I would hope he becomes Barca Athletic's best or most influential player in the midfield down in the third division this season. Dembele, stock up, difference maker, hit the post in the 75th, had another chance early in the half. He looked like he was in first preseason match mode and still in second gear, terrorized Arsenal on the counter. He hit the through ball to Ferran for Barca's third goal, he is a starter. Rafinha is an overqualified backup. Yeah, I don't have too much on Dembele other than that. So stock up for Dembele just seemed like an easy preseason game for him. Ferran Torres, stock up, obviously. The only goal in that game that I think mattered 
that was scored for Barcelona, aside from Tassard's two for Arsenal, that probably changed his stock to start the season. Rob Holding may have slipped, but Ferran still had to pick it up, made the decision to lay it off for Nebele, then made the run for the perfect through ball. A tight window finish, really good for him. Rafinha is definitely sticking around, and Abde should be, but probably, or maybe won't be. But if Barca do keep all six, at least until January, when Vida Roque is due to maybe arrive, Ferran should be the backup nine and barely play, or be Rafinha's backup if Dembele gets injured. But if Abde does leave, as likely will be expected, because Barca are probably fielding 30 or 40 million euro offers for him, then Ferran Torres is immediately one of the options on the left wing, alongside Ansu Fati. And obviously, if Gabi was healthy, then maybe Xavi had started this game with the four midfielders like he likely is going to play this season. So still, Ferran Torres, I don't know where he's going to be on the depth chart. And wherever he is, it's not where he wants to be, but that's probably where the pecking order is going to shake out for him if he wants to stick around. Ansu Fati, stock also up. As I've said before, Xavi will probably play with that box four midfield, but on paper, I think Xavi would love to just be able to do a traditional 4-3-3 with a left winger like Ansu can come in and allow Balde to own that left wing. And it was a good showing from Ansu. His run and setup created the chance that Dembele hit the post on, and he worked really well with Balde. Kind of telling you that, hey, if you want the best out of Balde and you get the best out of Ansu, that might be the best version of your left side. He beat two more guys against Arsenal than he beat like all of last spring on the dribble. So that's a really positive sign. He doesn't need to beat players to be effective. We know that, but it feels like his confidence is all one big package. He's either doing everything or he's not doing much of anything. Lastly, Lamini Mall came on for Firmin Lopez in the 79th, and his stock is probably even because of the huge expectations. But I'm saying his stock is slightly up because if you have realistic expectations for a 16-year-old, he did show a few things in those 11 minutes. Teams already know he wants to get inside on his left foot, and his close control makes that hard to stop, even if they do do their homework. He'll get a few chances this season, and he'll make a few headlines along the way, and I'm going to look forward to him in the future as well. But yeah, we will see him in the first team some this season, again, with no expectations. Anything that Lamine Mall ever gives you this season, it's a positive. So again, slightly stock up for him because he didn't completely flop or he made some kind of impact. And I feel like every time he makes any kind of impact at 16 years old, I'm always going to do stock up for him. As for those we didn't see, Inigo Martinez still isn't fit, recovering from an injury, and Gabi is training apart from the group. Maybe it's an injury, maybe he's the only one still dealing with the bug. I haven't seen or heard what the issue is at this point, but we know that he would have at least gotten a yellow in that contentious first half, and I've said Gabi might have even changed the way that Xavi set up in that first half as far as the midfield four. There was no Langley for obvious reasons, and none of the other youngsters, Faye, Alascarito, Casado, or Valle got their shot. And apparently, Valle was brought in case Balde wasn't ready to go, but since Balde was, I don't know how much of Ajax Valle we're going to see in this preseason. I would like to see the other three at some point, sure, but adding Inigo Martinez and Gabi back in, that's 25 total players right there. Again, also not counting Lenglet, so that's everybody looking for game time and fitness, because even if you're not getting game time this season for Barcelona and you're leaving, you still want to be in match fitness to start the year for your new squad to hit the ground running if you're missing their preseason. So that's first team depth for you. All right, so that'll do it for that. I got some other stuff cooking to look out for the next few days that I hope you'll like, and Barcelona do play Real Madrid in like three days as well. So obviously I'll be focusing on that. And as always, until next time, where's the Barca? I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.